Hello and welcome to Agape Love in Action. Agape is a Greek word that means unconditional love. And if you're the type of person who can step over your own stuff to help somebody else, you're my kind of person. I am Teresa Mitchell and today I am here with Sandy Gilbert. Hi Sandy. Hi Teresa. <laughs> How are you going today? <clears throat> I'm great. How are you? <laughs> We've had a bit of fun in the studio this morning. Things are a bit different in here and, and buttons are changed and, um, yeah, software programs are different and, uh, yeah, we've, we're having a good old time laughing at ourselves just trying to work out what we're doing today. Yeah, I'm trying to eat my ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> Sandy's on a roll. She's talking about the microphone that's in front of her, so... She doesn't actually have an ice cream in here. For anybody at the radio station listening into this, Sandy does not have an ice cream in the studio. <laughs> so now Sandy is from the, the Chindra Donation Hub, but I believe you've changed your name. What's your name now, Sandy? Um, we are the Chindra Community Hub. Chindra Community, Community Hub. Hub. Okay. And you guys were out there um, at the start of the floods? Yes, from day one. Yep, so that is February uh, 2022, last year's floods mm. in the Northern Rivers. Mm. Um, tell me a bit about what you're doing, Sandy. Uh, do you want me to start from the start or where we're at now? Whatever you want to tell me is good. Well, I'd probably like to start from the start because I, um, I think it's very important that a lot of people out there know what has been happening. I know... A lot of people do, but some people still don't realise that we are still out there assisting a lot of very vulnerable people. Um, day one of the floods, well, even the night of the floods, um, I actually I actually belong to an organisation that has represented um, residents that live in residential parks, and I've been part of that for about 12 years, um, representing people legally um, anything that comes up that they need help with and that's what I've been doing so on the night of the floods I was quite upset because we had I'd heard that um, the rivers were rising the waters were rising and a lot of people were in a lot of need and of course I live at Southport so there's no way I could get through to even the system so I was on the phone till about two o'clock in the morning making sure some of the parks where all the residents had um, evacuated safely um, to the evacuation centres and and that's where it started. The next day I was able to get through the rising waters in the afternoon to the evacuation centres to speak to all the people all the residents that live around the Chindra Tweed area and just sat down with them and had a little chat and just reassured them that everyone was going to be trying to help them as much as we could. The following day after that, the the waters actually subsided enough for us to get through. And um, myself, along with a couple of other residents that lived in the parks, we just bombarded a hall in one of the parks. We just went in and said, we've come to do a sausage sizzle. And the owners just looked at us and we said, well, we're here to do a sausage sizzle to try and help these people out. <laughs> it's beautiful. By the next day, we'd turned into a hub. I nev- I'd never even heard of a hub. Right. But by the next day, we were a fully blown hub. 
What does that mean? Explain it to well, me. Well, the hub, a hub to us at that point meant that we were a centre where everyone could get to us and we were lucky enough to be on high enough ground where people could get to us, where we, <coughs> excuse me, where we started assisting people, um, mostly people just coming in and sitting in front of us in this hall with nowhere to go. Mm. Nowhere to go. They've been at the evacuation centres. A lot of them had animals and we had these residents just sitting there with their animals saying, where can I go? Can we go? Have you got something for us to eat? What can you do? <clears throat> and lucky enough, we had the residents that hadn't been flooded heard about our hub by about the lunchtime and they started coming in and as they were coming in the front door, they were asking what they were, could, could do. And we had residents lined up sitting on seats with nothing except what they was sitting with and stood up in. And these beautiful residents were just taking them, putting them under their arms and taking them out the front door and taking them home to their place to supply a bed for them. Mm. And that's that's probably what stood out the most for me on the fir- on the first day. It was just uh, words can't describe it. It was just wonderful for the people, but so heartbreaking to see all these people sitting there that had nowhere to go. So you're in the middle of the hall in the caravan park, have I got yes. it right? Yep. Yes. So what were you seeing around you? Oh, heck, it was mayhem. Seeing all we could see around us, because by that time the army had come in, mm-hmm. and all we were seeing was despair, mud, more mud. But the beautiful thing that we were seeing too was all the people that were coming in the front door and saying, what can we do? With shovels, with brooms, gloves. And they're saying, where can we go? And we're saying, pick any park, pick any street. Yeah. Do we have to book in anywhere? No, just go. And that's what was happening. And and I must say, a lot of them were younger teenagers. Yeah. And that's what blew us away as well, the beautiful teenagers that come in to help and then the other people. And by probably the second day, we had everyone coming with food, fresh cooked food. And uh, and with this fresh cooked food, along came uh, beautiful sayings on the outside of packets of cookies and sandwiches and it, it, was, it was just incredible. It was just incredible. And by that stage, we had volunteers that started coming in saying, what can we do? How can we help? And, um, and, and this is what we were doing, um, just supplying food out to everyone. We were walking around all the parks covered in mud. Um, luckily, we had all our food enclosed in, in bags that we could just hand someone because their hands were mud, but they needed to eat. And this was not only for the residents that were trying to come back, but this was for the workers, the workers as well. Mm. And because so many workers just kept coming in the front gate and we just allocate, we just kept allocating, we need to go there, we need to go there. And because I'd known most of the residents that were living in the residential parks, I had their contact numbers hoping that they may have had some uh, their phones with them, but I was getting a lot of calls for help 
personally as well. So it was good that I could tell people where they needed to go. But it wasn't only just the residential parks, it was the homes that were around as well. So we just had swarms of people just coming in all day, every day. And then we put out the appeals for um, mattresses, cleaning cleaning products was probably the most that we were in need of then because of the mould and the mud and everything else. So then we had people just coming in, just dropping off crates of crates of water, crates of cleaning products, linen, mattresses mostly, so that we could try and supply mattresses to win these people's homes, which by the second and third days were shells. They were just shells with mm-hmm. no walls no floors because everyone had to come in and they were just gurneying their homes out, just gurneying everything out into the out into the um, the front of their homes. And all we saw for for weeks was trucks coming in and the most heartbreaking part of it was they were coming in empty and they were going out and all you could see was everyone's personal possessions just hanging in these trucks, you could see photo frames, everything. And, and that was probably the most heartbreaking for us was watching everyone's personal possessions just going out the trucks at the front of the parks and up the road to be dumped to go to the dump. Yeah, my uh, husband's mother, her house went under. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know for months afterwards she was just like, you know, this mm-hmm. this personal, this this thing that had value to me is gone. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's it was so needed and it was so great to have people come in and clean stuff out. But there was that grief afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you wouldn't want people not to do it. But at the same time, it's like everything just happened so fast. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to grab anything that was special no. to keep it. No. So so there was a lot of grief around that. If, yes. if I can just circle back, you said before that you were getting phone calls for help personally. Now, you know, I'm assuming this is when the waters receded. It wasn't people calling for help to get rescued. It was No, this was when the waters were receding and they were yeah. going back to their homes. Right. They were going back to the homes because they were being looked after very good in the evacuation centres because yeah. I visited up there. But this is once they, a couple of days later when they started coming back to their homes and um, were just beside themselves because they didn't know what they were going to find. Yeah. And when they came back, a lot of them found that their homes were just empty. Yeah, totally empty, and a lot, and a lot were coming back that the army hadn't got to, or the volunteers hadn't got to, and they're opening their front doors, and of course, they were just being hammered with all the mud and the water yeah. coming out of their homes, and that was probably some of the most distressing parts as well. Totally, because some were coming back where, because as you know, every every everybody couldn't get looked after the first couple of days. It was a yeah, it was a a very big process and a long process. Yeah. So, and being in the caravan park, am I right in thinking that a lot of the residents are seniors? Yes, yes. Mostly our residents, probably the youngest would have been about 70 and they're all in their 80s, most of them in their 80s and even in their 90s. I have actually been the advocate for the people in the caravan parks at that stage for 12 years. Yeah. And they were elderly when I met them 12 years before that. So you add 12 years onto that and very vulnerable, very, 
very sad, very vulnerable. And especially the way that they had to evacuate them out as well because the SES were very busy in Lismore. Yeah. And residents had to help residents. Right. Mm. Like how much water came through there? Um, in most of the parks, the water would have come up to the top of their windows. Okay. So the, so mm. the actual, not, one point not the bottom of the windows, the, the top the of top, the windows. The tops of their windows. So, so enough to put the whole bottom floor of a house or a caravan yes. underwater. Yes. All the caravans went under right up just about to the tops of, of, of their windows. Some of them were a little bit higher, probably halfway up their windows, but... It was quite incredible. A couple of the vans in each park were spared and, and the mo- mobile homes because we have a variety of caravans with annexes and mobile homes. Yeah. And it's quite incredible because in every park, I'm not sure why or how, but you would have found two homes that the water just come up to the top of their step and just sat there and never inundated their homes. Wow. Yet the ones sort of beside them around the corner all went under. So it it was, yeah, it was just quite an incredible scene actually. Wow, that is amazing. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm trying to imagine what it would have been like because the waters came through like early hours of the morning, didn't they? Yes. And and we're talking senior citizens. As you said, the youngest one was in the 70s. Mm, yeah. Um, I'm assuming there's a lot of mobility issues there. Yes, we had mobility issues. We had a lot, we had a lot of issues and um, what we did have, which we were lucky enough, that some of the residents, new residents, had had boats. But those residents weren't there with the boats. So we had residents and ringing back to me and I'm ringing back to these people that were living there that, that weren't there at the moment asking, did we have permission to use their boats Yeah, to get these people out, their little tinnies? And yes, we did. And we never had to worry about breaking in because the floodwaters have already inundated <laughs> their homes. So... Yeah. They were telling us where keys were, yes, for tinnies and everything for someone that thought they could thought they could drive a boat. Some of yeah. them didn't, but even some that didn't still got the keys and managed to safely get everyone without um, anything going wrong at all to to the actual evacuation centre where they were being picked up. So it was it the- was incredible. This is the other residents. Yes, residents. Learning to drive a boat in the middle of the early morning to save the other residents with mobility issues from drowning, basically. Yeah, Yeah. and they had surf skis, anything they could find. Wow. Anything they could find. And, of course, the most stronger residents and and younger of the residents, um, they were just throwing people over their shoulders and wading through up to their shoulders to get them get them all safe. Oh, it just breaks my heart. And, mm. and and I know because I've done a lot of work with you over the last year that we're talking hundreds of people, aren't we? Yes, yes. Because yeah. yes. it wasn't just that one caravan park. No, there was eight caravan parks. Then, of course, the homes that were outside the caravan parks. There yeah. was eight caravan parks. How many people does that There would have been then? about 1,800 people. 1,800 people. Mm, just in the in the caravan parks. In the middle of the night that in needed rescuing. In the middle rescuing. of the night. Wow. I, I, I can't get my head around the logistics of that be, mm. before even the emotion of mm. that. 
I'd like to point out at one stage, and I got the photos of this. I wasn't actually there, but the residents were telling me. I've got photos of residents in the has in the hall at Hacienda, yeah, sitting there with the water coming up to just about around their waist, waiting, watching the fridges that were in there and everything else that was in there float around them, and um, all they had with them was what they felt that they could take, and. I just I, I saw the funny side of one of the photos because one resident she took a bottle of wine and an empty glass <laughs> and she was sitting in water up to her waist with her bottle of wine and her glass saying, I got everything I need. Wow, I bet she was very popular too that everybody wanted to share that wine with her. <laughs> not sure, not sure, <laughs> but it was you know, just just things just things like that. Um Yeah. It was no. It, it it was it was it was horrific. It was oh, horrific. Do you still have that picture? Yes, I do have that picture. Actually, I've got lots of pictures. I've got photos of cows on their verandas. I've got lots of pictures, and I'm be quite happy to pass on. Yeah, I, I would wouldn't mind getting mm. a copy of that picture to mm. put with the podcast. Mm. Um, oh, it's just it's so emotional, isn't it? Mm. And in like I wasn't in that. We like we we. We're all around the floods. We were all a part of the floods yeah. and, and it was emotional helping yeah. people. But to have actually gone through that and to think of, you know, a group of uh, older people mm. sitting in waist-deep water mm. having to wait to be rescued, mm. I just make and your not stomach knowing turn. if they were going to even get on one of the tinnies or the boats. Oh, just turns the stomach it really does mm. uh what a horrendous time and mm. you know what an angel you are well <laughs> i'm not an angel but it was i i was there for them and i was glad i was there for them but also i'm glad that i i knew probably 90 percent of them which made it easier but it made it hard as well because you form this friendship with residents when you're working as an advocate with them over the years. So you know them all personally, yeah. which turned out to be good because I was able to find where they'd gone. I was able to track them down and then I was able to work with them because a lot of them just didn't know where to turn. And because of the ad- advocacy work that I'd done, it was it was easy enough to get hold of them and sit with them, to talk them around, to doing things because a lot of them just gave up. A lot yeah. of them just gave up. They just wanted to walk away into the sunset, and um, and and as I said, it was it was probably good. And I'm not sure how I kept it together. Um, I think I kept it together because we had a lot of volunteers come in to what we to that hall, which we called the hub. Yeah, and everyone was just there helping. So there was many hands, many hands to help. So it left. Um, a, a big part for me to be able to look after some of these people. Yeah, you know, we were. I was actually um, guiding the resilience people as to where these people were to try and get them on buses and get them down to Moolumbah because I knew where they all were. And yeah. it was just, I said it was hard, but it was probably good. Um, I'm not sure it probably would have went off as smooth as it did if somebody didn't know where a lot of these people were and didn't know the people. 
Yeah, what a godsend to have you there, mm. you know, with all that background knowledge mm. and to be able to, um, you know, to be able to help in that way. One would assume that it would be the park owners that they would lean on for where they these to find these what people. What park owners? Okay, so um, is that a bucket of worms will open or we'll just leave Cant? Oh, <laughs> uh, look, I, I would just like to say... Um, a couple of things and, and I think it needs to be out there and I actually put it out in, in a magazine. I did a magazine not long after. Yeah. And um, there were good park operators that got in, boots and all, and yeah. helped. But there were others that I had to ring the next day and say, um, where were you last night? Why? Um, well, your whole parks are flooded. Oh, Really? Hmm. And that's and that's what it was. And you know, they said, "Oh, well, if it's flooded like that," I said, "You need to get down there." And they said, "Well, if it's flooded, how do we get there?" I said, "Have you heard of a boat? Hmm. Because a boat will get you right up to the front door." Hmm. And that's all I'd like to say there. But that we did have some great park operators and managers. Yeah. But we also had some that um, I think led a lot of a lot of residents down. I admire your curry that you're putting out there. I really do. Um, you know, personal ownership of something is, is we really have to. If we are the, the head of something, we have to take personal ownership oh. of it. And yes. that includes safety. So, yeah. and, and, and while they might have been caught unawares and no one knew that this was coming, I, I, I love the fact that you, you're willing to grab onto that and just go, hey, come on. You need to step up now and 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 help with this mm. and fix this. Yeah. So, and it, you know, it's oh, I just admire that. Well done. Mm. So it's been what is it, sixteen, seventeen months after yes. the floods? Yes, yes, yeah. So yes. February last year. Mm. What's it look like now? Um, it's not too bad out there. A lot of residents are back in their homes fully, and, and, and this is the homes as well, the homes around the surrounding um, residential parks. Um, some aren't. Some are still fighting with insurance companies. Not many of them were insured, but the ones that were, a lot of them are still fighting, so they're not back in their homes. At the moment, we've got about 400 people that are still homeless that aren't back in their homes and are couch surfing, trying to go from motel to motel with resilience, trying to look after them there. Um, and then, of course, um, a couple of months ago, we had a big knockback from the Northern Rivers Reconstruction Authority who have decided that any of the residents lived in a caravan with an annex do not qualify to have their homes um, renovated and um, bought back to life for the people to come back in and living. So there's another story that's happened on top of that that, that we are trying to fight now. Wow. It's, I know that they cut back the numbers and they've upset so many people in the big yes. buyback. Yes. And, and, you know, the, the 400 you said that is still in mm. temporary accommodation, that's just from your area? Mm. Yeah, just in the Chindra Tweed area. Yeah. yeah just yeah. Ch- Chindra Tweed area. It's... Oh, it's just so heartless. And then last week they released floodplains and everything else and we weren't even on the map, Tweed or Chindra. Weren't even on the map. Wow. Wow. So, so there's a big – we've got a, a, a lot happening ahead of us to try and fight 
for for the residents' rights, and we shouldn't have to be doing this. No, you're right. We shouldn't you have shouldn't. to be doing that. The residents that were flooded, they they had enough to do. You know, they've they've put up with a lot, and a lot of them uh, a lot of them are suffering mental health issues at the moment, and that's because they don't know where they're going. They can't yeah. finish their homes. Um, it's coming up winter again now. And um, we made sure last winter that we could try and get some carpet and beds off the grounds for people to live while they're getting their homes fixed. But we've still got homes like that now. Yeah. We've still got homes like that now. Yeah, I know with um, we're backing Natasha to go down into Lismore with the tradie weekend and try and um, do some renovations in 100 yeah. homes to get people in there mm. for winter. And I, I also know through Agape, uh, our organisation, that the the homeless numbers are still so high and there's no room in motels because they're still no. full of people from the floods yes. to be able to put homeless people into. Mm. Um so, and but you know, getting an idea of how many numbers of those people still are homeless mm. is really hard because it's not mm. our organisation who has the yeah. the uh, registers for that. But like mm. you said, four hundred just in your yeah. area yeah. with Chindra, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you live at Southport. You yes. drive all the way down there. How yes. often are you doing that? Well, I was doing it seven days a week. Yeah, and then we cut it back to five days a week, probably about four months ago. Right, and and we're talking this for 16, 17 months mm. so that you've been doing this to help people. Uh, you've got so far to go. Why? I'm not sure. <laughs> I often think why. Um, and and it, may, it may come from, and I've often thought about this, I've always liked to help people. Yeah. Because I was a counsellor before I became an advocate mm-hmm. for Lifeline. But um, it, it it's probably got something to do with my husband and I. He was made redundant 12 years ago. And every cent that we had, we decided w- that we would go down and buy a home in Port Macquarie in a residential mm-hmm. park. And we didn't know, but about six weeks into buying putting all this money out into this home, our forever home to live there for the rest of our life that the house didn't comply with council so i had to learn to fight um through the residential parks act which is quite different to people living a tenant living in a rental situation yeah. and that's how i became an advocate and we lost that we lost our home and only ended up with a few thousand dollars to walk away because my husband had gained employment, so we weren't entitled to legal aid. Right. And to fight it through the district courts, um, we didn't know where we were going to end up. So we just drove out of that park with a few thousand dollars and and our belongings and no home. Mm. And I vowed from that day that the people, vulnerable people living in caravan parks and home village parks that I would stay an advocate and I would do whatever it would take to look after and keep people in their homes and fight for their rights. So whether or not that was the strong enough that was strong enough to keep me going, I don't know, but um, when I came up to the Gold Coast to live and cause I've always lived here and found out what was happening down in the Tweed with mm. people's rights. I just went in boots and all, and I'm still there boots and all now. 
Oh, you're such an earth angel. um, It's just just sad to see very vulnerable people get just trodden into the ground and, and lose homes and lose everything that they've worked so hard for all their life. Such a blessing you are. So, like... In, in the community, there's lots of people that go, you know, someone else will do that. You know, um, I, I, I hear you saying, look, this, this is my fire. This is my passion. This is, this is helping people. Have you got something to say to encourage people out there who are going, you know, this is somebody else's problem that would, you know, what, what would you say? Hmm. I don't know. It's 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 a very it's a very hard one. I would I would just like to say to people to think about it if if it was their mum or their sister or their family. A lot of people just don't want to know. Mm-hmm. They just they see the problems out there, and they won't speak up. They won't. They just want to crawl under a rock and 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 not do anything about it. But I believe that. Surely we've all got a little bit of passion in us and a little bit of hope that we can always, if somebody out there, even if they just helped one person, you know, um, surely it could spread. That happiness and that givingness can can spread. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it is a very hard one because a lot of people say, why do you do it? Um, sometimes I think I'm mad because I do it, but... <laughs> Um, you know, I'm 73 and I've been doing this, it'll be 14 years in August. And, but you meet so many beautiful people Mm. and, um, you just meet so many beautiful people. And, and when you can see the, the happiness in the people and even the people that lived in homes, which I didn't know, the happiness that you can put on people's faces, even if you can give them because we're still doing hot meals, taking hot meals to people even out in the parks and even to the people in the homes come in and give it. The look on their face to think that something nice, you've you've done something nice for somebody. And a lot of those residents are now coming in doing nice things for other people. And and this is where this is where I just beam when I see that because it it's caught on with the residents that have been there, done that. And now they're 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 passing it on that ripple effect. Yeah, and yeah. look, don't get me wrong, because we we've had no help from the government, mm-hmm. none whatsoever, and um, the help that we got were from residents that didn't go under in the floods in the local area, and they just donated everything: the Rotary yeah. Club, the Lions Club, and of course you, Teresa Agape, and. Um, it's just incredible, but it's incredible to think that, and I'm going to say this, we've got a politician in Tweed Heads and he's been to our hub once Yeah, in 17 months. Yeah. Come on, you pollies, you need to get off your bum and get out there and and take a look around, take a look around. We've had them walk through the parks, but that's about all that's happened. Um it's the real world out there and there's yeah. a lot of people hurting and a lot of people in need and we're not asking to give everything you've got. We're just asking to give something. Yeah, you're doing a fantastic job and I, well, like I said before, I love the curry that you're putting out there with the bit of fire. Mm. So just to wrap it up, is there anything else that you'd just like to mention? Um, 
what I would like to mention is that um, Anglicare, we were we were actually, and I'd, I'd like to say a thank you to Sylvia Roylance at Council because she's backed us from the start. It was her that put us in our um, dongers on a football oval. Yeah. Um, without her, I don't know where we'd be because when we were in the caravan park, we were told that we were there for a couple of days for a barbecue and we stayed four weeks and it was time we got out of there. So we did. <laughs> we did. Um and then Anglicare came along and and saw what we were doing from down at Grafton and they actually applied for a grant to put us in the building. What I'd like to put out there, in August, we're out of that building. We don't have anyone that's going to... There's no more grants to put in for that. Yeah. Um, and we need to be somewhere. We need to be in another building because, as I said, we've got people coming in on a daily basis. We've got Service New South Wales that works out of our hub. We've got the Pottsville Community Centre that works out of our hub. We've got the mental health that works out of our hub. We've got Moolumbah um, Community Centre as well. We've got so many people that are working out of our hub as well as us. We're still delivering meals out to parks once a week. We're still doing so much and there's such a need for so much to happen and we need a building. We need to be somewhere. We've got a gentleman that uh, behind the scenes has offered to put a home on a piece of land if we could get hold of a piece of land because we're going to be around a long time. People come in and say, why are you still here? And we say, just come and walk a day in our shoes. Just come and walk a day Mm. in our shoes. This is why we're still here. And... We're here probably for at least another 12 months, at least. Yeah. So in August, we're looking for somewhere to be, to take all our volunteers and take all our services to, to keep looking after the Chindra and the Tweed people. You're doing a fantastic job, Sandy. Where would be the best place for someone to get in contact with you? Um, well, at the Hub. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, by at- the website? Yes, via our website, which is the Chindra Community Hub. Yeah, and what's the physical address at the hub? Uh, the physical address is um, unit number 23, 18 Ozone Street in Chindra, and it's right at the back of the big BP garage. If you go to the BP garage, you can just drive straight through the back of it and across the road to the hub. Fantastic. Um, and, yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear from anyone that, would like to help in any way whatsoever. All right, so there's a call out out there that if anybody can help with the venue for the the hub to continue, there is the definite need out there and lots of seniors out there that are still needing support. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sandy. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Teresa Mitchell uh, from Agape Love in Action and remember, be the love that's missing in the world.